1: Hello and welcome to the Gooners Talk back again with you guys for another episode of the Canton and Simeon show. I'm very happy to be joined, of course, by Harry Simeon. How you doing, mate? You good,
0: Joel? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Keeping busy. You know how it is, but you're in the same boat. So mm. yeah, Can't. I'm, I'm preaching to the wrong crowd if I'm complaining, but no. All good, all good. <laughs> how about yeah, you? Indeed. How's married life?
1: It's no different, mate. It's it's absolutely no different uh, to what it was before. Uh, I know people talk a little bit strangely about that sometimes and think that, you know, oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. But when you've been together with the same person for 10 years, you know, it doesn't really change all that much. So, yeah. what everyone um, says at
0: the start, mate. <laughs>
1: True. Yeah, it might change drastically in the next, who knows, day. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but no, it's good to hear that you're doing well. Uh, we've d- it's been a while since we've managed to do one of these, of course, but uh, uh, life gets in the way quite easily these days. Um, but what we're going to do for the Canton Simi show this time around, because of course, we're recording well ahead of when this will go out. So it's quite difficult for us to talk about current topics. I mean, we we're recording this around the time where we're hearing things about Zinchenko injuries and things that I never predicted to happen when I was recording shows like a few days ago. So, yeah, it's, it's chaotic. So what we thought we'd do is talk a bit about a topic that is... Is in a way quite close to both our hearts in terms of kind of content production and the pressures that go with that. Not only that from a YouTube standpoint, but from a journalism standpoint as well. Kind of the giving, I suppose, you listeners a little bit of an insight into the pressures and strains and stresses of hate online and stuff like that. We've talked about it before, but it is a topic amongst so many things I'm going to be talking about across this honeymoon series that I think is quite important to address. So just going to kick off the conversation and talk to me, Harry, about kind of your biggest barriers your biggest obstacles when producing content from a mental standpoint
0: from a mental standpoint um for me it's more about time um than anything i think time is my biggest kind of enemy in that i just sometimes feel like i'm juggling too many things and there's like a a, a, an almost a feeling of guilt when you do a podcast and you come away from it thinking i probably could have done that a little bit better um i do have that from time to time, more so recently because just other work is is kind of getting in the way a little bit. And, you know, somebody brought up the question to me the other day, like a friend of mine that I hadn't seen for years, I bumped into him at, at an event and he said, oh, so you're doing this this football stuff full-time now then, like kind of what's the end goal? And I don't actually know like what the end goal is. Yeah. And I think that can be that can be a, a barrier sometimes because you – you're kind of just chugging along at times. And if you lose sight of where you actually want to go and, and, and what you actually want to get to, and then you start spreading yourself too thin and then time becomes a problem and an issue, and then you end up maybe not doing as good a job as you possibly can. And it's why people that watch my channel or listen to my podcast will have noticed over the last couple of weeks, especially where the football has been disrupted, I haven't done shows every day um, because yeah. I feel like I'd just be doing it for the sake of it because I haven't had the time to sit and think in depth about topics and stuff that I really want to talk about. And, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge for me at the moment. I mean, the online hate stuff like I've kind of got as time's gone on, I've, I've been able to deal with that better and better. I think I, I literally pay less and less attention to it with every week that goes by and, and just get on with the job, because for all the people that are out there, being critical of what we do or or who say that they don't like it or that we're clueless or that we're peddling club official lines, which is the the classic one that we always get. There are people out there that appreciate it as well, but they may be not always as vocal and as quick to kind of jump on and and, uh, make their feelings known. So, yeah, I've I've sort of got much better at putting that to one side. But for me, the biggest issue right now is time. Like I'm literally, you're in the same boat. I'm working seven days a week, um, evenings as well. And and it's it, yeah, it can be can be a little bit draining. I mean, this weekend is a prime example. You know, I, I'm doing two games this weekend. It's it was at the time of recording, it was my little girl's birthday yesterday. So like, we got a family thing at the weekend, and I'm like going to go to work first and come back. So I've had to tell everyone to come like two hours late mm. later than I originally planned because I'm not going to get back from work. So that's my biggest struggle at the moment i mean what about from your perspective you're relentless you're allowed to go on holiday tom but here you are uh, recording for the honeymoon series
1: yeah i think you know there's there is pressure i feel like there's a pressure when you kind of produce content in a way um because there's an expectation um the listeners wake up every morning and kind of there is an expectation whether i know your listeners going no tom it's fine like you don't have to do this and I, i get that but there is that pressure of expectation around that. I know if I don't do a show in the mornings, and even if I've said there's not going to be a show the next day, I get DMs or messages saying, like, where's the show in the morning? And, I'm, and that's fine. I don't mind people doing that. I'm not moaning about that. It's just like I feel as though – kind of now there's a responsibility as such to to create content every day and I enjoy it I love it this is not me moaning about that and I like the fact I've been able to put together such a good kind of 12 episode series if you like whilst I'm away to keep people entertained at 8am every morning because you know if it was from my perspective and I was listening to something I didn't have it for a week especially when we've been in a period as you've said there with no football it creates a bit of a problem Um, Arsenal's such kind of an escape for so many people I think that there's almost a responsibility, I feel, on my part to give people something Arsenal. Um, I know that this show specifically today isn't necessarily giving them maybe their Arsenal fix, but there's so much going on in the world of Arsenal anyway that you're going to be inundated with content, I'm sure, and there's so many channels out there to listen to. Of course, there shouldn't be too much of a problem, but there's also an element of momentum. You know, you feel like if you don't do a show for 12 days... I know from a work standpoint because I need the channel to, you know, if I'm being very honest, and I always feel like I'm very honest about the channel, I need the channel to generate a certain amount of revenue for me to be able to live, to pay my mortgage, and all of that. So if I do, if I don't produce videos for 12 days, there is going to be a dip as well. So there is also like this is my job at the same time. So I need to produce you know, a level of work, a level of content that's going to continue to be rewarding and enable me to live. So do you know what I mean? So there's that pressure. Do you feel as though since, because obviously both of us have the similarity where we do our channels alongside media work as well. Have you found yourself in any kind of conflict with that at all in terms of and you don't need to go into explicit detail but have you found kind of time um where you would usually do especially because you're now like breaking into radio and doing a lot of the stuff on uh for bbc radio london which is amazing and and fair play to you for that um but do you feel as though maybe you don't get to do the match reactions in the same way you would usually do like a live stream after a game that you can't or you usually do more stuff around the game on the channel that you now can't do you find that conflict
0: yeah, I don't find a conflict in the in the content I'm making in terms of what I was going to say because I, mm. I I I'm not someone that rants anyway. Like I, I do get a little <laughs> bit touchy sometimes after certain results and performances. I'm a fan at the end of the day. So that obviously does come into it. But yeah, I do find the issue where you know there's been what what game was it? I think it was Arsenal Leicester at home uh, earlier in the season. So I was rec- I was on the radio for that game for BBC London. Yeah. And so I was in the press box, obviously doing reports. They were, you know, they had a live commentary elsewhere and they were cutting to me every time something happened. And, and that day, obviously there were six goals or whatever it was. It was quite a, a busy game. But also I was then sort of required to, as soon as the game finished, to go down the tunnel, go and do the radio interviews, make sure that I then had sent that back to the studio so it could be played out before yeah. the show ended at six o'clock. And, and there was a bit of pressure there. And then I kind of got out of the stadium and went, ah, normally I would film a three, four minute reaction video from inside the stadium. And I couldn't really do that. I kind of started to do it at one point. And then I thought, oh, I don't know if I, I look like a bit of an idiot doing this in the press box. Like I was a little bit, I don't know, I didn't really know how yeah. to approach it.
1: Well, there are other content creators that do that. I mean, Charles Watts obviously does his videos, I think, in the press box. I've seen, I think, James McNicholas has done it um, in the ground as well. So, you know, I don't think you should necessarily feel... I know there's that kind of pressure, yeah. uh, in a sense, in like, you know, you both of us are relatively new to the kind of that press box experience. And there is kind of... And I'll be very honest, listen, there is an element of intimidation as well, I think, that goes with it. I mean, when I walked into the, the press lounge at Old Trafford for the, the game against Man United. I was saying to a couple of friends, well, I, I literally bumped into Lee Dixon opening the door, like, and it's that level of kind of wow, like, it's it's it, your ear it is a bit not starstruckness, but kind of overawed with mm. what? How have I got into this situation? <laughs> like, this is mad. So, and you don't want to. And when I was in the press conference after the game, and I remember doing the the all or nothing media kind of thing ahead of thing with Jacker and uh, and Ramsdale at London Colney there is a, a pressure to me of kind of, you know, you've got all these people in this room, all these journalists that have been doing this for year on year on year that are established and you want to kind of give that respect in a way and, you know, you don't want to step on any toes and you don't want to embarrass yourself in a way. And, I mean, I had a moment, as James Benge alluded to on our, um, on our live show that we did the other day where, you know, I asked a question to Xhaka, he didn't want to answer the question and that was the only question I asked during the entire press conference and you're like... I've kind of blown this first chance and it is an experience. And after that, I I felt genuinely upset leaving London calling like, wow, I've blown this opportunity. You quickly realise that it's not. And you go and you, you know, I've now done things since then and you realize you were overreacting, but there is a sense of being in that press box that there is pressure to that I find.
0: Yeah, there is a a sense of pressure to, I was quite lucky because the first few times I went to the press box, I never had any actual work that needed to go back within 15 minutes of the full-time whistle right so mm. i got to sort of get my bearings understand a little bit more like what it's about um and that star struckness is there for sure but the other the only other thing i'd say about the press box and maybe other people won't necessarily like me saying this i find it a little bit clicky if you're okay. if you're in that kind of space in your and i guess that comes with familiarity right the more you do it the more known you become the more known you become the more kind of in you are with everybody else. But I've always found, or I found, especially right at the beginning, that you're kind of going in there as a bit of an outsider. and You don't really know what you can and can't do, what's right, what's wrong, and you're a little bit nervous as a consequence of that. Since then, um, I've been lucky enough to meet some of the guys that work at Arsenal, um, some of the press guys, so I, I know them. So I walk in and there is a familiar face. There is someone to say hello to. Um, Adrian Clark does my podcast quite often with me And, you know, he's another one that's always there So you can go and have a chat with Adrian And Jeremy Aliadier, who's often working on the Clubs channel Again, yeah. another one that's been on my pod a few times So having a few people that I knew when I went in there has, has made it a lot easier And over time you get more and more comfortable, I think But, yeah, I mean, you do feel like there's a bit of pressure You do feel like you're covering the game in a different way to the way that you would as a fan. One of my big learns and and lessons and listen, it's, it's BBC London. So it's okay because Mm. the focus is obviously on the London club. But if you listen back to the, so, so one of the things we do, we do ghost commentary. Okay. So you'll commentate on the game, the full commentary. And obviously when you get told in your ear that they're going to come to you for a report, you pause that you do the report and then you get back to it when you're off air. And the reason for that is so that they've got highlights of the goals, highlights of the key moments. And often at the end of the show, they'll play highlights packages out from the game. And of as course. someone who wants to be a commentator as much as a reporter, it's, it's great practice for me. And, and I enjoy doing it within the ground. But um, if you listen to the difference between my sort of tone when Arsenal scored goals that day (laughs) in comparison to Leicester's, it is so biased. It's really like I I came away and I was like, oh, my God, it's terrible. But that's partly because Arsenal are at home as well. When the crowd lifts, you lift. Yeah. If it's an away goal and the noise is not even half as much, then. Naturally, your tone doesn't go up to that level as well. So
1: that's a real challenge, though. Like, and you know, when I, I can, I can definitely empathise with that because if you, if you, anyone's ever been in the press box, and for those that don't, it's kind of an unwritten rule that you don't celebrate when we score. And it's I mean, from your point, you know, you're talking through the entire game. I'm writing about stuff in the press box slightly differently. And my first experience being Old Trafford when we scored that first goal that Martinelli scored and obviously got ruled out. There was just this absolute fire in me to like, you know, to jump and to, to real celebrate. And I had Kaya basically next to me, like, nearly do the the Jamie Carragher t- not, oh, sorry, Thierry on retouch on Jamie Carragher's leg, like, no, no, you yeah. don't, <laughs> don't just hold it in, contain yourself, because you've got to react to it and stuff like that, of course, been writing as well. So that that is really hard. So I can absolutely empathize when you're even and when you're talking through the game as well. It must be even trickier to keep your emotions in check at the same time.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- that was uh, the last Arsenal game I did. I was actually supposed to do the Everton game, which got postponed, which I was gutted about because I loved doing Arsenal games. Mm. Um, but then the week, not the weekend just gone where the games were postponed, the weekend prior I did Brentford-Leeds. And I absolutely loved that because I could give it the same on both sides. I didn't care who won. Yeah. Um, so I-, I actually think from a reporting and commentary perspective, it's probably better when it's not your team. Mm. If you want to be fair, um, and you want to keep it sort of balanced. But when, as I say, because it's regional radio, it's it's not that much of an issue. Like, you're not going to get Leicester fans listening to that and going, oh, my God, uh, you know, this this guy was really biased because it's geo-blocked. So it's only going to be people within the London area. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, isn't it, to balance that, especially for me because I've been going to, like, all the games since I was maybe probably 10, 11 years old. So to now have my match day experience flipped to something different, it takes some getting used to. Do you miss it? Um, I do. Um, Like, I went to Old Trafford as a fan. I went to Villa as a fan Mm. um, recently. I'm going to, like, I I couldn't get a ticket for Brentford uh, this weekend, which was a bit, heartbreaking but then i was told that i'm working it anyway so okay great. I, i'm gonna go there so i'd rather be working it than not be there obviously but um and i enjoy working it don't get oh, me of wrong. course don't yeah it's a privilege wrong. yeah but there are times where i think uh oh, i missed out on a moment because i was in the press box and i couldn't give it the same sort of celebration and, and reaction that i would if i was in the crowd i mean you must have experienced you must have realized that as well
1: mm, yeah absolutely um you know, there's, there, is a, there was a realisation at the United game that I was like, you know, I'm going to do this more. I'm going to be in this situation more. And, you know, I've I've not been as fortunate as yourself to be able to go to games all the time. Um, you know, season ticket waiting lists are ridiculous. I don't feel as though I'll ever get a season ticket anymore because of, you know, going down this career path anyway. Um, but when I can go to games, it's obviously great. Going to away games is, is special. You know, when you go to anyone who's not been to an away and can do it, do it because it is so worth it for the experience the journey go with people that you know um yeah i wouldn't recommend maybe going on your own but if you can go with people you yeah. know <laughs> it's it's definitely definitely worth it um cuz they are such a different experience my first away game was palace away when we lost 3-0 that was my first away game as an arsenal fan um with the whole you're not fit to wear the shirt chanting you know yeah. um and it wasn't nice, but the experience of going to an away game is is something else. I thankfully then went to a Palace away game that we've also won. So I've levelled it up since then. But uh, yeah... Not having that fan experience in the same way uh, is is certainly different. And I tell you what, a five hour five hour drive back from Manchester, uh, and you don't get back till one two o'clock in the morning. Is is yeah, that in itself after a loss is painful, very painful, and and it is a it's it's a it's a task to be able
0: to do that and stay awake as well. So music wasn't like full volume. I got the yeah, I, like mate, I don't o'clock. know how you did that by yourself. Fair play to you. Like yeah, I I, I car shared up there with a mate of mine, and, and I was like luckily this mate of mine he's he's a bit of a machine like he's used to the because <laughs> on yeah. the way back i was dozing off and i and i kept saying to him you know if you're tired man we'll swap driving and he was like, "No, no, no, it's all good." And he just... and I was thinking to myself, "Thank God,"
1: because <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm offering out of politeness, not because, you know, yeah, not because I want yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, obviously, that's that's one side. So you know, and I don't really want the listeners to come across thinking like, "Oh, you've got like the dream job scenario," and you know, like, are oh, you moaning know about it? And of course, you can't only really experience it and know kind of that the, the, there are pressures to it. There are. Uh, it's not all the glitz and glamour of what people expect at all times. And it is important to kind of talk about that. But mm. from a YouTube perspective, of course, I have found, to be fair, you know, in the last year, that the amount of abuse on YouTube is, is dipped for me. It still exists. Obviously, it's the fact that Arsenal are doing well that helps. Um, and I think, obviously, when Arsenal aren't doing particularly well, that it does increase. But have have you found that? Um, and, of course, the longer that we are on this platform the more you get exposed to it and so I suppose the better you deal with it as well
0: yeah definitely I think that's that's the key point I think the more you you do it the longer you do it the wiser you become around it the easier it is to deal with it and and I don't even know if the level has dropped of it or if it's just really? that I pay less attention to it now Maybe. and and so don't pick up like I remember before I would upload a video and for the next five six hours I would be refreshing the comments constantly Mm -hmm. to see what people were saying Mm -hmm. and now i don't do that i i do read the comments but i might look at them the next morning you know when there's been a bit of time for some of them to accumulate yeah and i'll go through them and the ones that are are really nice you know or even if they're not the same opinion of mine but they're done respectfully i give them a little like and the rest of them the shit ones i just ignore them um and, and that's kind of the way i deal with it now but yeah, the 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 abuse thing is is something that you get used to over time. I think like if you, if you want to do this work, if you want to be in this space and in this world, you have to be able to block it out. Yeah, and I I never used to be able to, and I'm quite a I'm one of those people that if you swing at me, my first reaction is to swing back, and I have yeah. to I have to sometimes control myself in this kind of world where people think that because they're behind an anonymous account that they can say whatever they want to you. And um, as as you know, like we we had a chat about it before. Obviously, sort of the beginning of the year, um, somebody went back and dug out a tweet where uh, a tweet where I said "f off yeah. you scousers," basically. Yeah. Um, as a, a, a you know, nineteen year old arsenal fan with no affiliations in the media nothing like that Mm -hmm. um and and they dug it up and they tried to obviously make a big thing of it and you know for a few days i felt terrible and i felt awful but you know what off the back of it i realized and looking at it that if you look at that and you look at now forget the sort of it's wrong to tweet that i'm not saying it's right but you realize that as a person you've grown up and matured yeah And that's the positive that you should take away from something like that, because everybody's made a mistake in the past. And also we will make mistakes in our jobs. We will say things that are not correct. We will get details wrong and people will be waiting literally to pull you up on it, especially because you're a journalist. You get a detail wrong. People are like, oh, my God, how is this guy a journalist? How did he do that? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. so you've got to be prepared that people are going to go after your mistakes and you've got to take the positive from those mistakes doesn't mean they weren't mistakes but you got to go back and think okay what have I learned from this I've learned that as a person I've matured infinitely and yeah. I look at the world very differently at 32 years old with two kids than I did when I was you know 18 19 years old a football fan without a care in the world it's it you learn from those mistakes and I think if you can avoid the abuse block it out as best as possible and learn from the mistakes that you will inevitably make then you're only going to be better for it in the long run and 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 that's just the way i see it
1: yeah no i think you're spot on you know and that i remember when you were going through that experience and i remember talking to you obviously about it it's 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 real tough um because you look back a lot of us you 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 look at things you would have said in the past um and think, you know, I'm just not the same person now. And, you know, I I feel as though Twitter should really have like kind of a law where after a year, your tweets are deleted in a way, because what you would have said a year ago is not what you are now. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to judge people off actions in the past, in particular, if they are reforming or if they are changing. You know, if it's someone that's made mistakes in the past and they're making the same mistakes today, you know, it's different. But if you are looking at what you've done wrong previously and then changing based on that you know you've got a it's got to mean something and that goes from like the highest end in which we're talking about kind of an extreme example here to the other end of the spectrum where our footballing opinions can get picked up from mm. say a year or two years ago and then when you say something now I often get a case where you used to say this but you don't yeah. say that anymore you're a hypocrite and I'm like no I just have a mind that i'm allowed to change you know
0: yeah but as, as well socially the world's changed as well right like things that you could have said which i'm not maybe weren't necessarily a hundred percent right and maybe you shouldn't have said them but they would have been things in those days that wouldn't nobody would have batted an eyelid at and now if you was to yep. say the same thing it can be a big deal so you change the world changes what's acceptable changes in comparison to how it was in the past and all of those things make it incredibly unfair to go back and try and and Absolutely. hang people out to dry based on that you know uh, as you say football opinions change um you know the the language that we use change i mean i i would have used words in the past right that i know now i shouldn't have used yeah. but at the time it was it wasn't a big deal it was the norm like yeah you know it's and, education. And they- yeah, right. e- exactly that. Once you get to meet people and learn things and you become wiser, you understand why that shouldn't be said. And only when you actually understand something will you stop it and get better. Yeah. You know, some, someone can tell you, but until you actually understand it, it registers. Absolutely. So, you know, the best
1: example I have of that for me is when I went to Arsenal as was a younger fan hmm. um, and the uh, What Do You Think a Tottenham chant came yeah. through. You know, At the end of that song, obviously some fans still to today use the Y words um, mm-hmm. at the end of it. And I remember going to a game with Mike, um, uh, who of course is Jewish. Uh, our good friend mm-hmm. Mike who does the Gunners pods. And when that song was being sung and then the Y words came through at the end of it and I just looked at Mike and his face and like he's seeing fellow Arsenal fans and, and in, in some cases... Fellow friends who aren't educated enough to know the impact of that word uh, on the Jewish community, like it—it—it it, 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 it was heartbreaking in a way. You know, seeing him clearly affected by and conflicted by the fact that these are people that he sees as his family, people that he he loves, people that are his friends, saying that word. And you know, when I spoke to him, I didn't know necessarily the context around that word. I just kind of thought at the time, without being educated, that it was just something, a, a nickname for Spurs fans. Yeah. That was my earliest interpretation of it because I didn't know the context of what the word meant. And now I do, and I outright refuse to use that word. Um, and, you know, is it, it's intimidating as well, in a sense that if you have people around you who will sing the song and use the word, there is an intimidation to go up to them and say, you know, I, I don't think you should use that. It's tough to do that. It's really oh, very, hard to very. go up to someone that you either know or mm. don't know, but shares the same colors as you and say, I don't think you should use that words or, or ask them, why do you use that word? Do you know why it's so offensive? Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the same until I was maybe seven, eight years old, maybe a bit older than that, mm. you know, and I'm not going to say I stopped using that word in chance when I was, you know, a teenager, I I used it, but in a purely footballing context, this is what I'm trying to say. Like you, you don't understand, but it took me a while to find out a, what that word meant or what group of people it was referring to. And even then I probably still chanted it when I was a teenager, but only later on did I realize that it was a word that had such negative connotations. And then I stopped. Yeah. it, it, until you fully understand what it was like you know you know I, and you're I around 20 20 people chanting that words right yeah and, and yeah, yeah. Like, you know
1: and it's it's absolutely inexcusable like it's mm-hmm. not an excuse to be able to do it but that it is a certainly a reason why some people do it's because it's peer pressure you yeah, know yeah. it's people around them and it's hard to to not you know, join in in the sense of one, if you don't know what it means, and two, because there's an intimidation factor, and two, you don't want to be left out, and you don't want to be all this, and it takes a strong person to turn around and say, "No, I'm not going to do that." Now, mm. I think today there is a lot more awareness, which helps, you know, people yeah, to not sure. do it. But it is still hard when you go to games and you hear that song and you hear people chanting, and you, your instinct tells you that you want to say to them, "Why, why?" But it's it's tough, it's really tough to go up to someone, and I'm sure there is someone listening to this that goes, "Oh, I chant it, and there's nothing wrong with it," you know, and all the, and I would just encourage that person, if that is you, to, to go and find out. Speak to people who are offended by that. I'll find out why. I think David Badil does a really good um, interview. I think it might have been on Good This Morning, potentially. Um,
0: okay. He talks about it, um, and he does a really good explanation of it. So,
1: yeah, it's it's yeah, that's, the,
0: that's the point, though, isn't it? Like, you you can say, oh, you know, I, I'll chant it, and I don't care. It doesn't mean anything mm. to me. I know what it means, but I'm still going to chant it anyway because you haven't experienced it you haven't been on the receiving end of something like that you haven't been in a position where somebody has done something like that to you for you to understand exactly how it feels and then realize and that's what i'm saying there's a difference between being told something and actually educating yourself and becoming educated or experiencing something that makes you truly realize what it is that's going on and um you know, I've had loads of those moments in my life. I've said things in the past that I would never say today because I've learned, I've grown up, and I understand now what they mean and the impact mm-hmm. those words have on other people. Until you get that, you're probably not going to stop.
1: You know, and I think that the, the key point about that is is that because you've learned you, you don't say those things anymore, there's, there's an argument that the issue around saying those things before... And then also getting picked up on saying those things years ago and being treated today in the same sense as if you'd said those words today rather than all those years ago with the context around why those words were said, you know, it's it it's can be as dangerous. And it can be as, as in a way as kind of um, I think it can put necessarily people off in a sense wanting to be educated, wanting to change their ways because they're going to think, well, I've said it in the past and I'm being ripped apart for what I said in the past. It doesn't even matter if I change who I am because I'm just going to get ripped apart anyway. Mm. So that's why I think people should be more open to, in in both senses, one, to changing your mind about certain things, being educated. But two, to not cancelling people because of things they've done in the past that they're willing to
0: change. Yeah, that's massive. For me, I used to hear about people talking about cancel culture and and it used to, I don't want to say go over my head because you know, obviously I understood what it was and I understood. But you'd what never faced it. Towards, but I'd never faced it. Mm-hmm. And only when I faced it, did I start to feel much more strongly about not piling in on people based on something that like now there, there were times in the past, right? Where I'd scroll through Twitter and mm-hmm. I'd see an opinion on Arsenal that I thought was outrageous. And I would have to reply. Yeah. I would have to say something. I would have to put my opinion across I would have to, you know, or if, if I saw something that I thought was really, really wrong, I would call it out. And nowadays, I'm in a position where I look at these things and I go, okay, I, I disagree with you. But actually, by putting a tweet out now, which probably means that some of my followers are going to see your thread, and they might jump on you as well. Mm-hmm. What impact am I having? We can't have a full proper conversation on Twitter. So why start Hmm. something that could potentially lead to a pylon on a person when you don't know how it's going to make them feel and equally when i see people that have done something on social media in the past that was clearly wrong in the way that i did i'm also really mindful of going oh you're this you're that because i know what it feels like to be on the other side i know Hmm. what it feels like to be judged for something that you said years and years ago in a completely different context and for people to try and paint you with that brush and I'm I'm so much more reserved on Twitter now. I, I tweet my opinions, my views. Mm-hmm. I don't bother replying to the idiots. And I don't bother jumping on people. I just, because I've been through it, that's, that's kind of my learn from that. Yeah. So as I said before, as long as you learn from stuff, then, you know, that's all you can do. You can't go back and rewrite the past, but you can take the lessons from it and move forward.
1: Indeed. Absolutely, and I think I feel as though I'm still certainly learning because I do still bite, I do still reply. You know, I'll, I'll look back over comment sections and think, oh "You, <laughs> you know, how how dare you say something like that?" But you know, I think it's important to to learn and to try. I mean, I did the uh, I was I did I was, did the show on Dan Potts' channel the other day, um, and there was just some guy, some person in the chat box, just like. Um, why'd you get this deluded cloud on and like this? Oh yeah. So I done tempting. one with Dan
0: as well yeah. recently. And I had exactly the same.
1: Yeah. And it's yeah. just what it is, what it is, you know, and we're really good mates with Dan um, because I enjoy Dan's company and talking about football with Dan because we have different views and it creates really good discussion. But also I, I enjoy the way he talks about stuff, how passionately he is about stuff. And uh, I, I like that. But the same thing when Dan comes on to here. And I'm sure, we, and I've done a show with Dan for this Honeymoon series, so I'm sure I'll read back over the comments and there'll be some people going, how dare he say that, you know? So he's going to say it so as well. But yeah, it's just, it's, it is tough. Um, but yeah, not perfect. Still learning, still growing um, and intend to in the future. Harry, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to.
0: Thank you, man. Always a pleasure. Um, we're recording this before your honeymoon, so I hope you enjoy the honeymoon. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, you can find me on the Chronicles of Aguna Uh, Arsenal podcast, you can find it on YouTube And on all major podcast stores And you can follow me on Twitter at Harry Simu Lovely stuff.
1: Uh Link to Harry's channel, of course, will be in the description. If you're in the London area and want to listen to uh football, you can do that at BBC Radio London. And you might be able to hear Harry's dulcet tones coming through your speakers, which is a gift. Um, But thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying the continuation of this honeymoon series. If you are, do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel. I'm back uh, on the 29th slash the 30th. There will be a show that is still part of the series on the 29th, um, but I should potentially be doing something else at some point there as well. So I'm looking forward to getting back by this point. I'm sure, uh, maybe, maybe I'm relaxing. I'm not even, I don't have a care in the world, but uh, I'm sure there'll be part of me that's like, I want a podcast and I can't podcast. (laughs) But yeah, it will come around, I'm sure. I'll see you again soon. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal.